From Radiotopia, you're listening to Love and Radio. I'm Nick Vanderkolk. Today's episode, An Old Lion or a Lover's Lute. I would love to have that opportunity to take you out and treat you like the queen you are for real. I think you're a beautiful young lady, you know what I'm saying? Okay, I got some questions for you. Okay. okay. You can ask me anything because I'm a professional at Elson Corson. Okay. Now, you know they might be a little bit uncomfortable to you. And, and once I hear them, they might be uncomfortable to me. But I promise you, I'll answer them. <laughs> As you were walking past, we were having the conversation. And I'm actually his son's mother. Did he approach you the same way? No, I was a little different 17 years ago. <laughs> how, did, how did he approach you? Uh, we met in a McDonald's. And, hey, he was looking. And I just was like... What are you looking at? And he was like, I'm looking at you. And I was like, why? He was like, because maybe we should go out. And we went out. <laughs> and how long did you guys go out? We went out for a good two years or so. Okay. A, year, a little less. And then how old is your son now? 16. He's 16? Mm-hmm. And does he see you both? Does he mm-hmm. see you Yeah. Both? Mm-hmm. But you guys don't stay together? No. no. Why not? I'm professional. And I'm gay. You're gay and you're professional. Yeah. Professional what? Parent. Uh, exactly. Now, we are professional parents, but I'm a professional loner. See, my problem is that it's hard for me to be faithful to one girl. Mm. Because once I get to know somebody, you know, and I see their flaws, I'm not into changing nobody or changing myself to deal with nobody. And just so happened I'm 50 and I just ain't met that right girl yet to say okay it's going to be me and you and you guys you weren't compatible i can i, I imagine there's a oh big we we was season. cool out the gate we, we, we met we was mostly like we was more we was, of a friend we was yeah. more i was just we trying was, to figure out you know if i like guys or not like guys but other than that he's, a, he's such I a nice person and i put that charm on and next thing you know i was waxing that <laughs> I was waxing but that. I couldn't nice even get guy, rid of her. So. I couldn't get rid of her. I didn't even try. And this is what I you do wanted to her a, around. A woman who likes women. I wanted her around. Impressive. And then look, she told me that she was gay in one of our conversations. But to me, I didn't care. Because, you know, she was girly. You know what I'm saying? She was tight jeaning and all of that blouse and stuff and looking pretty all the time. And then to me, it was like, oh, yeah, she gay. It's a great chance that I might get to have my cake and eat it too. And you know, and it all worked out. She like turned me out, and now I can't have. I I promise you, if a girl be my girlfriend, she have to like girls, or it wouldn't work out. But but now, <laughs> whoa! <laughs> I'm sorry. Tell me your name, Laquia. So when he's calling out to other women walking down the street, how does that make you feel? I'm not worried. Hopefully she'll be like, oh, I like girls. I'll be like, oh, okay. <laughs> yes, oh, we do have a, I can tell you this, that I promise you, since I met her, I probably had at least about maybe, I was on 16, maybe like 30 girlfriends. And she probably done enjoyed at least 25 of them. Only about five of them escaped her. So are you guys working as a team? No. No. A lot of them wasn't gay. They just was curious and they like, had probably done did it before and lied like they haven't because they'll do it again. 
and again. And so it's like, to me, it's the American dream. Man, it's not the American dream. That you can have a girl that enjoy your girl with other girls and everything too. Man, what man don't want that? And then your girl ain't tripping. I guess. If we just chilling. Well, I really long for that one girl. That one yeah, girl. Yeah, he need a, a girlfriend, a wife, or somebody now. How old are you? I'm 26. Oh, you perfect. She I can be my girlfriend. I can retire. I can retire with you. You take um, my number and you call me. Okay. And when it's me and you, I'll give you some stories for your listeners. Do you want me to? Do you want me to put your number on the internet so anyone else? Uh, put uh, my wait, number on wait. there and you tell them that I don't want nothing but young ladies that's open to fun and enjoying life. You know what I'm saying? I want a commitment with somebody, but I got to find that right one. I got to find somebody that's loyal. That ain't gonna be playing no games and stuff like that because that what got me in the way that I am. I kind of like feel that's that's not a good woman out here that really appreciate good men nowadays because I know I'm a good man and so what I does is yep. what I think is normal. I just enjoy life, even with my relationships, and I don't even sweat them. And so all you ladies out there who listening, I would love to hold some auditions. And, and my number is 641-715-3900, extension 55403. And if you call me, make sure that you say, oh, I'm calling you because I got your number off the radio station in this zone. And I hopefully put on I can there meet if, the woman of if, my dreams. And if my wife hears this, we just talking. Yeah. I ain't looking for nothing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> For all you ladies out there, this is Jerome's son's mother, and he's a very nice guy. So if you're looking for a nice guy and a good time and no problems, give him a call. All right, then. I'll be waiting. That's <laughs> <laughs> for you interviewing me. I'm actually take you to lunch for real, and I won't even try nothing. I just enjoy the company of a pretty lady. Try. <laughs> no, for you're real. gonna be our friend forever. See, I already you told out. you the story, so I already know you're not gonna fall into the trap. So I would just love to grace your present for lunch one day. Okay, well, how about this? I'm gonna give her my number because I don't give my number to guys who call at me on the street. Okay. Okay. We can do the arrangement. Ready? Okay. Can I watch? Well, Shut I up. give. You can watch while I give her my number. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, hey, it's a good day after I got off of work. Yeah. Okay. And my name's Anna. Okay. Anna, can I ask you one question? Sure. Do you like girls? I like girls. Do you, you ever been in a relationship with a girl? I've never been in a relationship with a girl, no. Have you ever played around with a girl, just playing around, kissing and stuff like that? I have. Did you like it? It was very nice, yes. Do you have a boyfriend? I do. Do he know you did that? He does. Was he there? He was not. Oh, you gotta have a man one day. It'd be much better. Have you ever? How many times? <laughs> how many times would you say you played around with a girl just kidding around? Once. Oh, then okay, you're safe. Okay, <laughs> you were just you curious say. and you tried and you're like, I ain't doing that no more. She did a and you didn't Perry, plan it. She kissed the girl and she liked it. <laughs> no, she didn't like it. That's why she didn't do it no more. Well, maybe she will. No, she just cured her curiosity, and that's all she wanted to do. <laughs> and it wasn't all it was cracked out to be, or she'll be a lesbian by now. True. Let's see, how do I stop this thing? Every time I see you, it's like, Lynn, send chills through me, like, make my heart sing. 
makes your heart sing? Why? Yeah. Just because you're a beautiful young lady and you're so free-spirited. You know what I'm saying? And that's rare. That's very rare. In Oakland, anyway. Free spirits are rare? Well, I guess you could say free spirit. Your, your heart seems to be intact and working well. Like the devil ain't got no parts of it. Like every time he call you, you put him on hold. <laughs> no, for real. For real. No, you just seem you just seem like a nice young lady, and it seems like it's your nature, and you're not acting. Cause you know people do that all the time. Even me, but by nature, I'm a good guy for real. I promise you, am one of the best guys you want to meet. But when I meet a girl, you know I try to present myself that I'm better than what I am, knowing that it'll never come back to haunt me because, you know, I don't lie, I don't beat around the bush, and I don't play no games. How, how often do you think it works that people actually, like, move from calling out a lady on the street to getting into bed or out to dinner? Well, it all depends on how many of them bite. Some of them ain't going to bite. Just say for me, for instance, if I holler at 10 ladies... Nine of them maybe going to speak back, but going to keep moving. And maybe five of them, if they speak, and then I say something and try to get them to stop in their track to hear me more. And then out of that five, if I get their number or give them my number, if they call me, nine out of ten out of that five, I can sleep with them. <laughs> wait, hold on. Nine, nine I mean, out of I mean, wait. four out of that. I, I, I don't believe you. Believe this, if I can get five of them women out of that 10 number, nine out of 10, I'm going to sleep with at least three out of that five. How many women have you slept with that you've catcalled off the street? How far back you want me to go? I can say for the last five years, I done slept with at least, no joke, 15 to 20 women. That you've called that on the street? Yep. Because believe it or not, Women want to sleep with guys just as bad as guys want to sleep with women. It's all about if you're attracted to them or not. No, for real. I promise. You know one, one thing people don't understand? That women and men are identical. The only difference are our sex. I mean, have you have you seen all the, like, press? Did you see that video that went around about the woman who walked around New York and got catcalled, like, a million times? Did you see that? Yeah, I've seen that. What did you think of that? If you walk down the street looking like that, any man in his right mind going to stop and they're going to look and say, hey, how you doing? It's because of the way she looked. She looked nice. She was thick. She was pretty. And she looked like she was easy because of her outfit she had on. What was her outfit? She had on them tight pants, remember? Uh, what did she have on? She had she had jeans and a crew neck. And they was gripping. And you could see all them curves and everything. I know she was looking attractive. And I said... Wait, wait, blue jeans? I mean, blue jeans are like, you're wearing blue jeans right now. Yeah, but it's different. I'm a man. If you see a lady in jeans and they gripping all the curves and everything, I promise you, as a man, you're going to try to holler at her. This is how men's are. If you a pretty lady... And whether you got jeans, skirt, or anything on, jeans is even more exceptional. Or them, them pants y'all wear now, that's thin, that grips all the curves down there on the leg and the thigh. Any man see that, first thing come to his mind, I'm going to need that. It ain't nothing personal. Do you call women of all races, of all ages, of all body types? What's your type? Well, my type is not all ages. I prefer like 21 or better. 
because I feel that if you're 21, no matter how many miles you had on you, you don't have as many miles as a 31 or Are you talking about a woman like a car right now, Jerome? I'm going to have to stop you. No, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm talking about a car. I'm talking about miles. Five. Yeah, miles means how well out, how many men she done deal with. Why does that matter? It matters to some people for the simple fact. No, 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 not some people, you. Why does it matter how many men you've had sex with? Oh, it matters to me. You you want you want a woman to have sex with more men or less men? Less. That's what? why I prefer 21. Because no matter how bad you started off at 21, by the time you're 35, it's so, so more many. And so... I rather Oof, get Jerome, I got to I got to say older than a 35 year old because the 35 been doing it 20 years and the 21 year been doing it maybe 4 years. And so that means the 35 year old have been doing it with men for at least 20 years. You're being a total hypocrite. I know I am, but look, I promise you that's just the way I am. I don't want no woman that been all woe out and everything even though she might consider me woe out cuz I'm 51. That's my preference. I prefer somebody with less mouths. Jerome, this is gross. I know, I, I know it is. Jerome, this is, hold on, hold on. That's not gross. Just think about it. That's my opinion. And you, for instance, you wouldn't, how old are you? I'm 26. You wouldn't want no man that's probably 51. No. But that's, that's not about Miles. His age, not because of Miles, but maybe because of his age or something. And that's your preference. You probably want a man your age because, you know, y'all probably get along better because y'all do the same thing. Y'all like the same thing. And I'm not attracted to a man who's 51. I know. I remember that. You got a boyfriend. You have a son. Yeah. You have a daughter. Yeah, I have a daughter. How old's your daughter? My daughter's 26. How would you feel to know that your daughter is being catcalled? By men your age. If my daughter was to call me right now and tell me that she got a man that's 50 years old, the only thing I would ask her, is he treating you right? Why wouldn't I accept that for my daughter and that's how I am? There's a difference between your daughter coming to you and saying, Dad, I'm in love. There's a man. He happens to be 50. I know it's weird, but, you know, our love, it doesn't look at age. Two... A man who's 51 hollering at your daughter on the street. Wouldn't you say? I mean, like, from you, like, what would you do if you were on the other side of the park and you saw an old guy yelling at your daughter? I'll sit back in a cut and watch and see how my daughter operate. I love my daughter. My daughter's probably one of the top numbers in my phone right now. My daughter calls me all the time, and it's not just for money all the time. <laughs> anyway, it's half the time. <laughs> But I tell her, if an old guy come at you, some of these old guys are crafty. They know exactly what to say to you to take their number, and I promise you, you will call. And once you call, they'll know how to reel you in. What's your craft? Money and promises. I don't never come at them like I'm going to give them money, but I always come at them and let them know, look, I understand you young, you know what I'm saying, I'm an OG. I don't mind taking care of you and treating you like the queen you are. And that reels them in. I promise you, 90% of the girls that I don't kick it with, I always kick it with girls younger than me. My girlfriend right now is 27. And my other girlfriend, she's 26. And they know each other. Got any other girlfriends or just those two? Well, I got friends that you know what I'm saying. I don't consider them my girlfriend. 
Are you giving those women like money straight up or are you just taking them out to dinner or, or how's that working? Well, I promise you, most of the average young girl don't really want too much. That's why I deal with them. It's the older women's debt. Reason why I don't holler at them. They be wanting half on the rent. They be wanting money on the car note, insurance. The young girls don't have all of that. The ones who I get rid of just the fast, it's the one who start asking for too much too fast. And them the ones that I ease out of. But I never, ever let them know it's them asking me for something too fast. The reason that I get out of it. I'm good at telling stories on why I'm getting out of it. Okay, so you've told me that you like younger women. Yeah. So that's, we got age covered. Yeah. How about, like, appearance? Any, like... Very important. Okay. You don't have to be a 10. You can be a 5. If your karma, if I get a good karma from you and you look mediocre, if your face ain't that pretty, your body have to at least be fatigued and nice. I do not like fat women. I'm not prejudiced against them. No, I have fat friends, but I promise you, I would never sleep with them. I would never kiss them. They can't do nothing for me, but be my friends. I treat them nice and everything. Even when they come on to me, I act like I don't see it. How much do you weigh? I weigh 250. So that's even a bigger reason why. Well, I want a fat woman for, and I'm big. Big is not attractive to me. Because, like, maybe if you're in a small rowboat, you you two might sink? Nope. I don't even care about the weight part. It's just, like, big is not attractive to me because I know me. I like petite women and pretty women. You can be built nice, but if you fat, your vision going to throw a curb in my mind. Like, don't do it. How about race? It doesn't matter. Who says yes? Who's the who's the one out of ten who says yes? Mostly the black girls. But race never really been a factor to me. But I think the reason that I holler at mostly sisters is because I grew up in Chicago. I was born and raised in Chicago. I grew up in the projects, Robert Taylor, and moved to the Ida B. Wells and everything. It wasn't until I was 13 that we moved into a house that actually had grass and a backyard and a garage. It was always segregated. Everywhere that we lived was all black. Nowhere could you find a white person living. The only place you seen a white person or a rap was in a store. But far as living, you couldn't find not one white person, Chinese, Mexican, nobody living in the neighborhood. You couldn't even see gay peoples in the inner city in Chicago before I moved here in 94. They hung out up north. If you were to see them, people would make fun of them or throw stones at them, the old school stuff. And when I came here, I was amazed at how they was everywhere. I really never knew what to say to a white girl or anybody outside of black until I came here and I started being around them and then I started working with them and stuff like that because when I was in Chicago... I never worked. I never worked a day in my life in Chicago. I didn't start working until I came here because I always hustled in the street. At one point, I was actually hood rich. What was your hustle? Weed and rocks. It started off weed. I almost got rich off of weed. And then one of my friends introduced me to that. He said, you think you're rolling now? Try this. And he was already rich from it. And I got an apartment just to put it in because I didn't want no parts of controlled substance. So I got an apartment just to put it in. And I had people passing it out, talking about this is what's going on over here. And blew up like the world trade. 
that's when I started seeing the crime in the streets and seeing a lot of people getting turned out. And so I threw the towel in on that. It was getting harder to hustle on the streets. People was telling everything. And I say, let me get out while I survived it and never went back. I asked a few friends what they would want to ask you. Yeah. And one of my friends, she's scared to go outside because of guys yelling at her on the street. Yeah. How do you feel when you hear like, a friend of mine is afraid to leave the house because of all the attention she gets from men? You know what I would tell her? I would tell her, look, don't even trip. Keep moving. Don't give them no signs that you're trying to talk to them. And then if they try to say something after you speak back and you say, sorry, still in your stride, but I'm married. And I promise you, They'll leave it alone. They might make a few more statements like, okay, well, you take it easy. You sure look good. She'll start seeing people differently if she just say something and keep going. But there are men who will grab you on the street. There are men who will follow you. You probably need to flag the police down on them because I've never seen them. them. Them guys are sick. And them deranged, I done seen a lot. I never seen that, what you just said. But I've seen a lot of guys say negative things out of women just for her not speaking. But what if, what if, I mean, you know, there are so many women who have survived sexual assault, sexual abuse. Yeah. I mean, should they have to go out on the, should they have to be afraid to go out on the street because well, they're going to be picked on by men? They shouldn't, but I can understand why. Because they done been through that trauma. And once a person goes through that trauma, man, it, it, it affects them for years and years. It depends on how strong that woman is. You know, some women say, you know what? I done been walking all my life, and then that one clown right there did that to me and yanked me up. He was out on the prowl. I'm not finna lay there and live in no shell and be scared to walk the street because of something one man did. Some people wallow in things longer. You can't let something like that scare you. What you got to do, you got to be on on your toes, start carrying mace and knives and all of that stuff. But don't be afraid of the streets. Carrying mace and knives, that's being afraid of the streets. Exactly, but you won't be as afraid with that as you would be if you want but, because... But if men would just chill out and well, treat women with respect... I would love to find somebody to convince all the men to get their act together and treat women to respect. What would, I, what, I, would it take, what would it take to convince you? It wouldn't take nothing to convince me because I already respect women to the utmost. But some people take yelling at people on the street as disrespect. It is disrespectful. But like I said, hey, we need a savior. We need uh, uh, probably a million saviors to speak on this all what, over the what, world at the same time. Could I convince you to stop calling at people on the street? Probably not. I just want to know, like, how did you learn your technique? How did you learn how to get one out of ten women where oh, you man, got that I idea? I definitely learned that coming up, man. That's all you do when I was coming up back home. You see a pretty girl, you try to knock them off, and that made you the greatest when you can knock them off. Knock them off? Yeah, that means if you can get them, if you can say, I hit that. <laughs> this is how men feel. If you don't say nothing, you get nothing. Who want to be alone? Did you grow up with your dad? Nope, I grew up with my mom. My dad was there. He'll come visit, spend a week or two with my mom. My dad just passed last May. Oh, I remember he was sick. Yep. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yep. Yeah. Have you ever had your heart broken? 
Yes, I did. I was a freshman, and she was a junior in a different school. We ended up going together. I met her at a party, and we ended up going together, and we was together a long time. Her dad didn't like me because he thought I was a thug. He knew I was a good man, but he knew what I was doing and was wrong, and he didn't like his precious daughter dealing with nobody like that. She was older. She was the prettiest girl in the neighborhood, and I was wondering, why is she messing with me knowing that, you know what I'm saying, how I get down? She had a best friend. Her best friend had a sister. I ended up sleeping with her best friend's sister and got her pregnant. That's my first child, Stephen Duran, right now. It's by my girlfriend, best friend's sister. And we kept it a secret. But then when the girl realized I wasn't going to leave Phoebe for her, just because she had a baby, she told everybody. And when it, Phoebe found out, it killed her. It killed me, too, because I didn't think it would hurt that bad because I was still, like, wasn't tripping on messing around, you know? And it hurt in my heart that she quitted me. We ended up getting back together years once I... Once, you know what I'm saying, she found it in her heart to forgive me after the girl had the baby and she seen that I was there for the baby and everything. But it was too late. It was never the same. I didn't have the same love. I had um, moved on with so many girls and stuff. But I never forget that relationship. Killed me to have done hurt that girl like that. If you could go back and do it again. I wouldn't cheat on her. I'll stop even mess. I would, I, I would stop even mess with the other girls and I'll marry her. Did your mom or your dad ever talk to you about sex? Never. Never. Do you talk to your kids about sex? All the time. All the time. I tell my son, be safe. Don't be just sleeping around with girls. You know, I tell them how I've been through. I say, you know what? You wait for the right one. I tell my son all that. Use condoms and everything. My daughter don't have no kids or nothing. Ain't thinking about no kids until she get her career off and got everything she need. She say she need a house, cars, Big bank account and everything before she even consider having a baby. And then the man she have with got to be financially stable and got to have a good head on his shoulder, too. And I love my daughter for that. Do you ever want to settle down with anyone? I promise you I want to settle down. I tell my partners them all the time I can't wait till I find the right girl. And then I say, I know in order for me to find the right girl, I got to go outside my box. I got to find me somebody like about 40 or 45 years old. I can't marry nobody about 21 or 25 years old half my age, because at some point they're going to be like, man, I'm missing something. I know one thing, I haven't met her yet. None of the girls that I dealt with, done dealt with, I'll say, I'll marry her. I don't care if I met her on the street, in a grocery store, at a dog fight. I don't care. I just want to meet her. And my heart say, that's the one. And then we date, and then we kick it, and we get to know each other. And then she say, hey, you want to get married? Set the date. I always try to do the right thing. I always try to do the right thing. Always. Put that in your ear. Anyway, so if I'm here, you can hear me talking, but if I'm pointing it at you, I can't hear Then you want to know if you can hear me talking, too. Uh See, my voice ain't amplifying as much as yours. Uh Uh-huh, you're a little smooth talker. Smoother (laughs) talker. (laughs) 
So what do you want to start with? Wherever you got it calculated, it don't matter. <laughs> well, maybe maybe let's start then, like, so did you, like, what what did you think of the piece generally? You listened to the final one for Love and Radio, yeah? Yeah, I listened to that piece, man, and it was like, it was great. You know, and when I was playing it back for people, they was tripping on it, and they was like, Tripping on me for being so honest, especially when it got to the part about my daughter, about how I like the old, uh, the younger women. And you was like, hey, you referring to them as mouths like cars. And I was like, no, that's wear and tear, you know, on them. And then when they got to the part about what about if it was your daughter? And then I and and they seen how I spoke to others and I just kept it funky, as we call it. And I couldn't be a hypocrite and say, mm, like I said, just make sure they ain't dogging you out or using you for no sex object, <laughs> you know? So what did, what did people say when they heard that part of the piece? They were just busting up. Do you know to just hear that coming from me, just knowing that somebody was asking me these questions, and then I was kicking it just like I be kicking with them, the same stuff I was telling you. I always open up when they get on any subject. You know, I be like right there, and they, I got so many friends that call me like, man, Man, I'm going to ask your honest opinion. I guess that's so much. So, so much, man. And it's like weird. And then when they see that I actually had an interview where somebody would actually course me instead of we just getting on random things, just being in a room. And they was like, it's a trip. <laughs> it's a trip to hear you like that. Has doing this piece and listening to this piece like influenced any way that like when you're catcalling, do you ever do you ever think about this piece? Oh, I think about it a lot now. Now I even don't even catcall at all. Really? No, I don't catcall at all because you going somewhere and they going somewhere. Nine out of ten is you don't want to put yourself in that situation to get a woman to start talking to you. She ain't met you just because you know made eye contact and it may be lust or love at first sight. But both parties don't know that, and then so you can't really try to get their time then. You just got to knock the ones off that you can see while you're in a gathering. I don't care if it's church, a grocery store, in line, at a bus stop, at work. So you're approaching now women more like when yeah, you're... Yeah, you know, if they, get, if they get your attention and you feel that you can say something, then you say something. Then you won't, I, you won't call it cat calling. They there. And then you know... If you say the right thing and you get a conversation going, it's a great chance you can get to know me. If not, sometimes if it's a person that you see all the time and you just realize and you like them, then you ease into it. You just give them that smile and, and hope you say the right thing. You know, and it's just hard to think of something to tell somebody, you know, when you're trying to get them. Well, sometimes your stomach say, say something, and sometimes that something does it. And like I said, you can get that number. You can get them. And not necessarily. When I always say get them, that don't mean in the bed. That's uh, when you're young. When you're old and you want to get their attention, you know? You want to get their attention and see who you're dealing with and know who they are before you start all of that. So has this new strategy upped your game? Yeah, it did. It made me even more picky. It made me it made me to draw lines and deduction because I'm too old for this. If I'm looking for love, I got to act like it. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring in some of this criticism because I think okay. it's a good time. Okay, so this first one, this is uh, a friend of one of the producers of Love and Radio. So here's what she said. I'm just going to kind of paraphrase here. 
She said, okay, so obviously I don't love this as much as the other pieces, referring to like other love and radio pieces. The part about race in Chicago was interesting. I wish Anna took this time to talk about difference here. She's obviously well-educated and at the very least upwardly mobile. She's not trying to humanize him or his perspective. She's trying to inoculate her perspective as a well-educated white woman. She doesn't really hear him or read into his words. He's saying things that are actually really enlightening and pretty open-minded. And maybe he's not so proper, but not more so than any white dude at a Wall Street bar. <laughs> it feels like she's taking advantage of him. Do you, so do you have any reaction or response to that? You know, I see it that, you know, we it's like when I first met you, it was fun, you know what I'm saying? And then when I found out you was into that business, to me, I didn't see you as that. I seen you as that person that was being honest about them issues that you asked me about. And somehow my answers was falling over into other things that had you to go outside of probably some of your questions because it touched on you and made you get to know where uh, that came from. And I don't think half of the questions that you asked me, you meant to, it was like somehow I have the tendency of answering a question and go all off into another one. <laughs> and it seemed like it took you out of that probably some kind case if she's seen it that way. I think that it led to that because of some of my answers, basically why she would think that. Well, I don't know. I mean, I listened back to the piece and I think like, especially how we edited it, we went from like you starting to talk about Chicago and then I kind of went into like, I don't know if you remember the part when I was asking about my friend who didn't feel safe walking around on the street. Before I asked you that, we had kind of gone away from talking about catcalling. We were talking about your life and then I kind of brought it back around and was like kind of hard on you. You know what you write? Because we did start off about the catcalling and then there was some of my views and opinion on something like, oh yeah. I mean, of course, you and me, like, we come from very different worlds, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, that's why it's valuable to hear your opinion. That's exactly. Why. Yeah. You know, like I said, it was a battlefield out there. But I always had sense and I always had knowledge and I always had the power to know that I was great. Yeah. Because of the things that I did that people didn't have to teach me or tell me. I always paid attention to school and I always did good. But schooling, it wasn't my, my, it wasn't my true teacher. It taught me how to communicate in that world, but my teacher, I know this came from right here. All of my decisions, knowing right from wrong, that nobody taught me about was so great as I was coming up. Mm-hmm. That's why I was able to escape the poverty part. You know what I'm saying? And I always knew how to be right and do the right thing. And it ain't like my mama made me go to church all the time. And then I can sit up in church and talk with somebody and you as well. I was a deacon. Mm-hmm. And so along with that, my spiritual teaching too. Hey, nobody can stop me. But you know what? I think we have a lot in common. I think yeah. we're both pretty extroverted, and I think we're both pretty good at just talking to strangers on the street, yeah. as it's been. Yeah. So even though you know we are, but we grew up the sense that just our surroundings wasn't that great. <laughs> but hey, it didn't bother me. To me, to be honest, coming up that was normal. Yeah, we had fun every day. Couldn't wait to get out of school to go in the field and have rock battles and all that. Rock battles? Rock battles. You know, everybody grabs some rocks, and then you go on that side, you go on that side, and we throw till we out. Until you're out? What do you mean? rocks, and then you win if you make contact. If you hit somebody. 
You don't know. Oh no, you wouldn't know nothing no, about that. I, I have a horrible arm. I can't throw. <laughs> Man, we used to do bottles sometimes too. Bottles was better because it's hard to get hit by a bottle. You got to be, you got to be really not slow. <laughs> okay, this one is not so nice to you. Okay. You think you can take it? I could take it. Okay. Uh, so this is actually in a in a publication. Someone published an article about us, Jerome. Okay. Um, so a reporter by the name of Fiona Sturges. And um, the title is An Old Lion or a Lover's Loot, the latest installment of the podcast series. Sorry, this is really mean. I don't want to. Go wanna... ahead. Go ahead. Oh. I need to hear it all. And I'm going to give you my honest opinion. I promise you it's, it's not mean. I don't even think you know what mean is. This is mean. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. Focused on a predatory numbskull called Jerome. That's mean. No, it ain't mean. You know why he said that? I'm going to tell you why. Because my tactics, he calls me a predator because I pry on younger women. And then I'm sure that whoever that is, they want somebody young too. But they have to turn that into that because that ain't they. That ain't they cup of tea. So this is a woman, just so you know. But here, let me yeah, read the okay. article. All right. Okay. Mainstream radio is full of good people, or at least people trying to be good. They may be reformed or repentant, misguided but well-meaning, or simple self-approved saints. But the airwaves are, for the most part, full of people offering up their best side and hoping against hope that you and I will like them. But what about the CADs, the crackpots, and the ne'er-do-wells? I think those are British terms. Yeah. yeah. I can try this in my bad English I, accent. Yeah. yeah. What about the douchebags who would sooner see? <laughs> yeah, that, that sums it up. <laughs> that uh, would sooner see a plague descend on humankind than modify their behavior to accommodate anyone else. Aside from the odd inflammatory phone-in program, these people are rarely heard. They are unreliable and potential loose cannons. And what producer needs that? This week, I met Jerome, a man from Oakland, California. 30 seconds into his company, I was ready to knock his teeth out. Out of 30 seconds? I'd love to hear the first 30 seconds of that thing. It's just you catcalling me, I think. (laughs) Jerome had recently copped an eyeful of 26-year-old producer named Anna. (laughs) And I prowled on you right out the gate. That's how you met me. I was on the prowl. That's how she put it. I'm brilliant. You can finish what? That's that's what she means. Yeah. Yep. I didn't know nothing about you being a producer. To me, you was a young, fine, pretty thing. And then I found out you was a 25-year-old producer. And boy, did I say jackpot. <laughs> or now you're... I'm going to put her on the hit list because I said that's how I get the girl. See, I understand why she's doing it. And actually, I'm not defending me. I'm telling you how she sees it. I already defend me. I told you how I am. I don't look at myself as no prayer. I look at me as going after what I want. I'm into less mouths. Hey, Which and I'm still, not the only one. That don't make me a predator. Less miles still. We need and to sometimes think- I end up to pray because it'd be young girls that waiting on me. <laughs> Do you think we can come to an agreement of a different way to say young women than less miles? Young women. Okay, let's just say young women. Yeah. Okay. Um, Jerome had recently copped an eyeful of 26-year-old producer named Anna and Kat called her on the street. But 
rather than ignore him or shout back or ask for his mother's number so she could repeat what her son had just said down the phone, man, I've always wanted to do that, Anna did something else. She asked him if he would sit down, tell a bit more about himself, and explain why he thought it was acceptable to shout at women like that. And then she turned what he said into a podcast. The episode is called An Old Lion or a Lover's Loot, and is the latest installment of Love and Radio, a podcast series that's featured on Radiotopia. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. That's all good. Okay. But back to Jerome. He was in his 50s and liked to sleep with girls who were around 21 since they were unsullied by too many sexual partners. He had a perchant for hot girl-on-girl action. Quote, it's the American dream, he mooned. <laughs> a subject he was happy to broach with potential conquests within minutes of meeting them. You see how she said that? She already said it like, it is the American dream, but she's trying, she trying to turn something good into something bad. Because everything <laughs> that she's saying is that, hey, Anybody who listening who wouldn't want that ain't. I never once said it was right. I always said it was me. And I was being honest, and that's me. To me, you're hiding because you're not being true. Because basically what you're saying is that you don't tell your deepest secrets or you don't tell things you went through no matter how it seems to others that you because you hold in and you hiding. No, you losing because you only live once and life is short. You should never be ashamed of nothing you do, and you should better speak of anything you done did or said or done. That makes you great because you have nothing to hide, and you want to share the world you. That makes you even greater because people, when they see you, they say, you know what? One thing I know for sure, I can get the truth out of him. Okay, I'll keep going. He reckoned that if he hollered at 10 girls, he could probably get five of them to part with their phone numbers, and four of those he would end up sleeping with. He believed men couldn't be expected to control themselves in front of a woman wearing even mildly (laughs) figure-hugging clothes. Yes, they can. They do it all the time. Every man don't act like vultures all the time. Sometimes they're just them ones that make you have to say something. But you see them all day. If a man see that, the first thing that comes into his mind is, I'm going to need that. It ain't nothing personal. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the truth. Jerome was a predatory numbskull, all right, though due to Anna's intuitive questioning, the more we got to know him, the more interesting he became. He had his heart trampled on in the past, and it was with palpable sadness that he said if he could go back and do things differently, he would. It became clear that Jerome wasn't willfully cruel. He just wasn't very clever. His view on the world was narrow, and he lacked the empathy to see how yelling at women on the street and treating them like handbag-carrying vaginas wasn't okay. And my, I don't think I portrayed him like that. That part right there, you know. I don't know. I mean, I'll, I'll finish reading, and then I'll tell you what I think about it. In, in my world of liberal-minded coziness, he was an unreasonable, exasperating, and frequently hateful voice. But it was also an unusual one. Don't get me wrong, I wouldn't have a drink with the guy, but I'm still glad I met him. <laughs> oh, man. Um, and you know why she glad she went, met me? Because she learned something, maybe, from that, to even write in and divorce that opinion. Because... That's why she glad she met me, even though she wouldn't have a drink with me. It, I, I, opened, I helped her in some form or fashion. 
somewhere she was in denial about things like that existed. And then now that she finally done met a person that actually lived it, and I actually, I believe every word that come out of his mouth, and even though I don't like it, man, I'm glad I met him. And, and basically, she'll love to meet me, but like she says, she won't have a drink with me because she know if she have a drink with me, it's a great chance I have her. Because <laughs> I said that place, no, no, I'm just kidding on that part. I can't see that. <laughs> but no, but she will, she will communicate. She would love to communicate with me. I just, I guess, I guess this article really like it made me feel like I didn't do a good job. Because my whole idea of the piece was to say, here's a guy who's just hollering at me in the street. Like, let's see who he is and let's turn him from just like someone who's an annoyance in my day to like someone who has a story and, you know, ultimately can be a friend. Do, does that does that article upset you? No. Actually, like I said, I know people like that. That's my friends that don't like my tactics. But they love me as a person, and they know I'm not doing nothing wrong. They know I'm not tricking nobody and, and, and nothing like that. Jerome, if we had a love advice show for real, what do you think it would be called? I don't know. Probably love advice about love. <laughs> advice about love. Yeah. How would, we, how, what would, how would we sign in and sign out? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Do you have any problems in your love life at home? Call Anna and Jerome. They'll tell you how to move on. That's beautiful. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Love life at home. <laughs> Call Anna and Jerome. <laughs> yeah. I think it's good. Yeah, That's it for Love and Radio. This episode was produced by Anna Adlerstein. Love and Radio is a founding member of Radiotopia, the best podcasts on the planet, which is made possible by the Knight Foundation and MailChimp, celebrating creativity, chaos, and teamwork. Thanks for listening.